Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. Praise God. How many love Jesus in this place? Come on. I said, how many love Jesus in this place? I want you to get your word out. Uh, we're, I'm ending my series uh, on the authority and power of the believer. Uh, this is installment number five. Uh, we have a couple of our, our regulars not here today because of some other things, but we do want to just let them know that this is our last installment. Now, in our first, in our opening scriptures, I'm actually going to go to two scriptures, okay? So I'm going to give you some things. There's going to be some things that are going to be on the screen. Now, I want you to pay attention because this is part five. Everybody say part five. So part five of this series called the, 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 the Believer's Authority and Power. Why? Because I started this series with the mindset that so many people in the body of Christ do not know what God has freely given to them for the arsenal to walk in victory. Come on, amen. To walk in victory and in power. And for the most part, we talked about, just to review, the apostolic prayers that, that Paul wrote, that they're actually insights of clues of what God gives each believer. We talked last week about the armor of God, and we broke that down. We also talked about the name of Jesus being part of our arsenal. Amen? We've talked about also being seated in heavenly places, and what does that mean? Oh, that's glorious. Why? Because if you don't know two things in the kingdom about yourself as a believer, you will fail miserably and be frustrated, which is this. You need to know your godly identity and you need to know your godly authority. In other words, you need to know who you are and what has been granted to you. Because if you don't know what's been granted to you, you'll go to counseling meetings, which is great. I'm not against counseling meetings. When you have the authority and power to get rid of those things by yourself. I think we could save hundreds of dollars if we just apply certain things that will cause us to be in victory, listen, all the time. Now, this last series, this last week, I'm going to do something that I've never really spoke on before, which really has to do with what I call the, 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 the seal of the deal when it comes to your authority. And today, I want to be talking about a combination of two things that you're going to see in the scriptures that I have not talked about is your function and your role as priests and kings unto our God. Come on, somebody. That you and I are going to find out the spiritual functionality and the spiritual responsibility of spiritual kings and spiritual priests. Now, if you, if you want to talk about authority, you must include your role as a spiritual priest and a spiritual king if you're going to rule and reign in the spirit realm. Can I hear an amen? I don't know about you. I'm tired of seeing defeated Christians all the time. We're not called to be defeated. We're called to be victorious. And the Bible gives us tools to do that. Now, I'm going to give you these things because they're going to be really quick. I know we're starting late, but I want you to get your Bibles out to Revelation chapter 1, verse 4. And then we're going to jump to uh, Revelation chapter 5, verse 8. If you're there, say amen. amen. No, if you're there, say a bigger amen. amen. Revelation chapter 1, verse 4 in the New King James is going to be up there on the screen. John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Grace to you and peace from him who is, who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loved us, come on, and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us, I want you to see this, he's made us kings and priests to his God. 
and his father. Now, I want you to read that slow. He made us by his blood in the New Testament. Listen, kings and priests to his God and father. To him be glory and dominion. Everybody say dominion forever and ever. Now, jump to chapter 5. Jump to chapter 5 of Revelations, and we're going to see this principle again. Now, when is the last time someone asked you, hey, are you functioning in your role as a spiritual priest and a spiritual king? Most of the times we think like I'm the priest of the home for the, you know, for the, for the, the men. And when we think kings, we think of actual in the physical realm only. And we think of Britain and we think of the Old Testament, right? But there is a reigning spiritually as spiritual kings. And in one day, we're going to raise at, reign as kings even physically on the earth. And so people don't know who they really are in Christ. The Bible says one day we're going to judge angels. That's what the Bible says. Don't look at me like I got cucumbers on my head. Come on, somebody. You got, you're looking at me like I got some whipped cream. Like, what? Yes, that is the authority of the believer now. Now watch. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove it to you in, in Revelation chapter 5, verse 8. Now when Jesus had taken the scroll, are you following me? The four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense. Watch this. Those bowls full of incense are the prayers of the saints. Oh, boy. Let that sink in. Right now in heaven. Oh, I want to just pause and say this. Right now in heaven, there's 24 elders and there's living creatures with bowls filled with years and years and years of the prayers of the saints offering up to God. Don't tell me your prayers don't make sense. Right? Now watch this. They're the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seal. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And have made us, shot this with me, kings and priests to our God. Now watch this. And we, read this slowly, say it together. And we shall reign not in heaven, on earth. We will reign on earth. Thank God that it's not just we'll reign one day in heaven because then we would have to live defeated lives into the by and by. I'm tired of waiting to the by and by or to the, or to the next time when we get to heaven. We can live and reign on the earth now by the Spirit of God. We could reign in victory. He says again, he has made us kings. Everybody say kings. And priests, say priests, so shall we shall reign on the earth. Now what a, an amazing privilege this is, church. This is not a light thing. The next time you're running in fear about anything, even COVID, that's right, remember that you are called a king and a spiritual priest in the kingdom of God to reign on earth. That this is not a light thing. He is when he has given this to us, God is actually extending his authority because he doesn't want to do it alone. Church, do you see that by making us kings and priests, he's actually extending his authority? And I'm gonna share this in a little bit with you, but I want you to put that first slide up there. What an incredible privilege this is. Look at that first point up on the screen. The Lord has given his people unprecedented authority by making us spiritual kings and priests on the earth. Unprecedented authority by making us kings and priests 
on the earth. I'm going to explain what this, the spiritual role of kings and priests is, and I can't get away with it. There's certain things you can't get away with, and you're going to say, well, I've heard that before in this series, but I'm going to go deeper because it's impossible to operate in a, play, in a, in a function that you don't know how to operate, right? If I was a spiritual mechanic or if I was a mechanic, right, and I didn't know how a mechanic operates, I would fail that job description, but just because you don't know what your job description is doesn't mean that God has not called you to do those things or to walk in these things. Now, in the, in, the, in the natural realm on the earth, the kings and the priests had very unique authority. Hear me now, in the natural. The kings had authority on the earth, right? And the priests had authority on the earth. But both of them, oh, I'm going to shout now, on the earth, when there's kings and there's priests on the earth, especially in the Bible times, they had the responsibility to shift and shape the culture physically and spiritually on the earth. They had, the, did you hear what I just said? They had the authority, the authority and the responsibility to shift the climate, okay, on the earth physically. And I'll show you not weather climate, right, but the climate as far as the laws and decrees of the, of, of the land. So the king's responsibility would be to decree laws into the land, decree policies into the land, the king, right? So that the nation that they were placed in could prosper financially, could prosper uh, physically, could prosper in peacetime. Come on, say amen. And that was a responsibility of kings, but also kings had the responsibility to dictate the spiritual atmosphere of a nation as well by the type of God they commanded the nation to worship. Do you guys remember that? If there was a wicked king in Israel, they would command the, their gods to be worshipped, and the majority of the nation will go into a spiritual uh, spiraling downward because the king dictated who should be worshipped. Now, of course, the priest had a, a, another function that was mostly all spiritual. The priest in the kingdom of heaven, all right, in the scriptures, has the responsibility to offer worship sacrifices to God, watch this, and to take the petitions of the people and pray to the Father. The priest had the awesome responsibility of partnering with God in the sole purpose of prayer to God to shift things in the nation. Okay, so now you have to combine these two because this is really important. Priests had the responsibility to minister to the Lord, to, to pray and fast for the well-being of the spiritual condition of the nation. Oh, you're going you're gonna to shout in just a second, all right? And kings had the responsibility to have the, the physical nature of the, of the nation healthy. So both kings and priests, physical and spiritual, are, are make up something and somebody that could dictate our nation today. Now, through the Spirit of God, God has made us kings and priests. Say kings and priests. Now, look at this. So this is what I'm really trying to say is by, by making us kings and priests, what God is really trying to say is that he's given us dominion. I'm going to break that word dominion down, okay? Everybody say dominion. Put that next slide up. By making us kings and priests, look at that. It's, it's in your app and it's in your notes. What the Lord is really giving us is dominion. Come on, say dominion. Come on, say dominion. Now, when I say dominion, I am not talking about ruling over people. I'm not talking about controlling people. Some of you guys think, think that's what dominion is, all right? Dominion is, uh, the word dominion in the Hebrew is the word rada, right? 
It's R-A-D-A-H, which means to prevail, to dominate, not to dominate another person. In other words, to dominate, to be on top and not the bottom. Hello? To be on top. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're saying amen this morning. Come on. Being on top and not the bottom. To prevail, to dominate, watch this, to rule and reign. That's the definition of dominion. Now, that word dominion, when it comes to kings and priests, this is the type of authority that God is asking and giving us. This dominion is the same word dominion, reigning, prevailing, ruling and reigning in the spirit realm, right, in your life, is the same word and definition that's found in the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. I'm going to turn there because I'm going to share something with you that is going to shock you. God has given me a revelation. Some of you that have been with me for a while, you've heard this revelation a couple years ago. But I'm going to give you something so powerful. Listen to me. I want everyone to zoom in. That whenever God says something in his scripture, now don't throw stones at me with what I'm about to say. Just hear me until I completely say it all, okay? Whenever God says something out of his mouth, he himself has to be true to that word, even if what he says is about us. I'm not just talking about the promises of God. Even about any type of dominion given to man, the Bible, the Bible declares that he has to be obedient, even to his own word. Because the Bible says God is not a man that he shall lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. That's in Numbers 23. When's the last time you got someone quote Numbers? Come on, somebody. Right? He says, God is not a man who, that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. And he actually says in that same, if he says he's going to do it, he will do it. Now watch this. And the Bible says, I'm, I'm, I'm going somewhere, that God puts his word above his name. The Bible says he magnifies his word. In other words, what he says out of his mouth, what he says in his spoken word, he holds that up above his own name. So watch this, zoom in. Whatever God then says about humanity, he himself has to keep. Wait, now is he sovereign? Yes. Can he do anything? Yes. But he would cease to be a God of his word if he changes things up and say, you know what, I never really gave them authority because they're all just a bunch of knuckleheads. Look at what Genesis 1 says that reveals this whole mystery to us. This changed my life several years ago. These three, three or four words changed my life. And, I, and every one of you in this room, I bet you you have read it a million times, but you've never seen it from the principle of when God says it, he can't retract it. Look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28. Watch this. Oh, this is good. You're going to shout. If not, I'll shout for you. Look at this. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. I'm going to read this really slow. Here's the perpetual law that was set in motion forever. Let them have dominion. Wait, it got quiet up in here. Let them, who's them? Us have dominion. And I'm gonna, and it keeps going over the fish of the sea, over the over the earth, and and and, and it keeps on going. I'm not gonna keep because of time's sake, I'm not gonna keep seeing the scriptures. But those four words change the entire laws. When it comes to our authority. Because when he said, let them have dominion. Are you ready for this? The, in order to regain dominion, I'm going to shout. In order to regain dominion, God had to keep his own word and come in as a man to take back what man lost in the garden of, with Eve and the deception of Eve. Because we know that he's spirit. John chapter 4 says God is what? God is what? Come on, come on, come on, amen, corner. God is what? Spirit. 
And he who come to him must worship him in spirit and truth, right? But if God is spirit, watch this, did he come on the first time as a spirit being on the earth? No, he had to come in as a man. Why? Because of Genesis 1.26. Because man lost the authority and lost the dominion to Satan at the, at, 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 the, at the garden when he got deceived. And so Jesus became, defeated the enemy, not only being fully God, but being fully man. Let them have dominion. He set in motion a perpetual law forever, guys, forever. That means that in order for him to come on the earth, he had to become a man so that man could take dominion. Listen to this. Listen to this. Jesus, def- uh, I, I'm, I'm going I'm, I'm to say this is probably more for me than you. If Jesus defeated, a lot of times people say, well, you know, it's easy for you to say because Jesus defeated the devil as God. He was fully God, but he was fully man. He felt pain. He felt loneliness. He felt betrayal. He felt rejection. Guys, if you have the spirit of God in you as a human being, you can defeat all the temptations of the enemy. You can defeat, you can defeat every single dart of the enemy that, God, that the enemy brings you. Be, why? Because he's made us kings. Come on, say kings. And priests unto our God. He's magnified his word above his name. Come on, say Amen. So as spiritual priests, we have the right to come now in the New Testament, minister to God anytime we want. You know what the Bible says in Hebrews? Come boldly to the throne of grace to to get mercy in time of need. You don't have to come in like with your head bowed. Watch this. Even if you sinned yesterday, you still could come to the Holy of Holies through the blood of the Lamb. You could still come boldly. As a spiritual priest, you could come boldly. And spiritual kings are the ones who exercise authority in the name of Jesus. But you can't have one without the other. I want to say that if you don't hear anything I say, these two are inseparable. We we must function as spiritual kings and spiritual uh, priests. We can't walk in fullness of victory if we just operate in just our kingly authority, which is just taking charge and taking authority without having the priestly role. And I'm going to break down the priestly role. How do we rule? How do we? If 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 ruling and reigning have to do with priests and kings then how do we rule, okay? Say, how do we rule? Now, I want to say this. I want you to write this down. We rule and have dominion by prayer. That has, listen, listen. It's up there on the screen. We rule and have dominion as priests. He's made us priests unto our God by prayer. Do you know that in the privacy of your room, do you know in that secret place we're going to talk about in just a second, do you realize how much things are moving in the spirit realm when you pray? Do you realize if God will open up your eyes to the spirit realm when you pray, that he is releasing answers, he's releasing things in the spirit realm? Because even Daniel, when he was praying, the angel of the Lord was released, and the angel said, I'm here because of your words. Listen, God moves at the sound of your voice if your voice is aligned with Scripture in prayer. Guys, I don't know why I'm not getting a whole bunch of amens to that. This is amazing to me that we have the ability to move God through the authority of our priestly role, which is worship and prayer. My God. God, if I just stop right there and say, if we just did more worshiping, if we did more praying, the enemy would be totally defeated. 
Watch this. If you were to ask people privately, I'm not going to say it now because I don't want to embarrass anybody. If you were to take a poll privately and you would ask them, what is your weakest element in your walk with the Lord? Nine times out of ten, they will say my private prayer life. How can we shake a nation with a five-minute prayer life? And I'm not trying to be religious or, or, or legalistic at all. But what I am saying is the reason why I've stuck with prayer, even corporate prayer, because I know that the, this, that's the engine and weapon room of the church. Do you know that there's many booming churches all over the building? My friend Pastor Chad is here. He could probably tell you. Mega churches that have all these programs, but they don't prioritize prayer in their local church. They don't. They have the lights, they have the, the fog machines, they have the, they have the instruments, they have all this stuff, and they have all these outreaches, but you don't see hardly any prayer culture in the local church. That is our priestly role. Our priestly role to dominate here on earth is to continually have a lifestyle of prayer. That's what the priests did in the Old Testament. The priests, all they did was spend time worshiping and praying, worshiping and praying, and they moved stuff. Priest, I'll say this, priest interceded on behalf of the people to God. Prophets, on the other hand, they uh, spoke on behalf of God to the people, right? As good as that is, God didn't say he's called us to be prophets and priests unto our God. He said he's called us to be priests and kings unto our God. The only one who's prophet, priest, and king is Jesus Christ. He fulfills all three. Come on, say amen. He's, he's prophet. He's king and he's priest. But you and I get to partner with the dual responsibility of Jesus as a king and as a priest. Because Jesus is not only king of kings, he's our great high priest. And we rule and have dominion, everybody say this with me, in the secret place. Now, if, hear me now. Because there's a difference between praying i got to be careful how I say this. There's a difference between praying when you're distracted and praying in the secret place. He didn't say, in the place of distraction is where you will dwell under the shadow of the Almighty. He says, he who dwells in the secret place shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. What is the secret place? It's not some secret door in your room, you know, like Narnia, you know. Yeah, right? I wish that would be good. That would be good, but like Narnia, this is my secret place, right? So it's not this secret like, like compartment. What, what God says the secret place is, watch this, is a place that you are alone with God with no TVs, no phone, no distraction because he is a jealous God and he wants all of you. He wants all of your attention. That is the place where we as priests rule in the secret place. Are you ready for this? I said, are you ready for this? Look at what Jesus himself says in Matthew chapter 6. Let's go there. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. I feel like, you, you guys, some of the old timers here, you guys remember the, some of the old timers, like, remember Fred Price? He had this old dome. Like, I felt like I'm, I feel like I'm like, anyways. Matthew, cha Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. Look at this. Watch this, guys. Watch this. Watch this. How many want to reign in the spirit? Reign. How many are tired of living defeated lives? Take up your role as a spiritual priest, men and women. 
I have news for the women. The guys are not just the priests of the home. That's fine if you say it that way when it comes to order. But you're still a spiritual priest too. You could dictate the atmosphere of your home, ladies. By getting into that secret place and praying for that rebellious person, praying for that husband of yours, praying for whoever it is. And I'm telling you, when you get to a place of no distraction, God not only sees, I'm going to give you a revelation, I'm going to give you a revelation, he actually dwells there. Now, we all know that he doesn't dwell with, with temples made with hands. We know that. He's not like he's chilling here in RCC saying, man, I am bored. I can't wait till my people get here. Oh, there they are, there they are. He, it's not like he's doing that. But there's something significant about the secret place that I want you to see. Are you ready? When you pray, notice it didn't say if you pray. <laughs> Come on, elbow somebody. Come on, elbow somebody. He didn't say if you feel good today, then you could pray. I think that's what may, many people wait for. They wait for the birds are chirping really nice. The, when they crack their window, the sunlight is hitting their face. They have coffee in their hand. They have a good donut or something. And then they could pray. Listen, listen. He said, when you pray, go into your room. Look at this. When you shut your door, pray to your father. Listen, I read this a million times. I never saw this. Who is in the secret place. Wait, wait, wait. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. I would read that over and over again and only focus on the part that Jesus sees you in the secret place and then rewards you openly. I would always say, Lord, okay, I'm in the secret place. You see me or you see this person and you're going to reward them openly. But it says, and the God who is in the secret place. Wait, 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 wait. And you have shut your door. Pray to your father. Say this with me. Who is in the secret place? Wait. So he not only sees you in the secret place, he's in the secret place. <laughs> he doesn't see you in the secret place. You could find him in the secret place. Why? When you eliminate distractions, it's like volume turns on. You hear the voice of God. You get encountered by God. And you have all these. Some people, if I could just be honest with you, you're so used to noise that it's so weird to be silent because you try to drown all the voices in your head about the day, so it's very abnormal for you to go into a secret place. You rather have a busy place and pray there, because the moment you get quiet, all these voices start, start, start coming up from your, your head and your past. But those are the moments that are going to change your life. I said those are the moments that are going to change your life. Put that slide up there. The Bible not only says that God sees you in the secret place, but the scripture says that God is in the secret place. Come on, say he's in the secret place. Come on, he's in the secret place. One more time. He's in the secret place. Oh, hallelujah. That deserves a praise break. Can I just be honest? You don't have to go far to find him. Where can I go to find him? He's not around. Pastor George, I don't feel him. He's not over there. He's in the secret place. He's not at church. He's in the secret place. He's in the the time waiting for you in the secret place. Come on, say amen. And as spiritual priests, we have this clue. When we look at our main responsibilities as spiritual priests, we could get a big clue. Now, I want you to write this down. If you ever want a crash course on, on priesthood, just read Hebrews chapter 7. Like Hebrews chapter 7, I'm going to go there, okay? But it, it, it explains the priesthood like never before, spiritually. If we're called to be spiritual kings and spiritual priests, I'm going to give you homework today. Read Hebrews chapter 7. I'm going to break down two, ver two incidences in, in Hebrews 7 that gives us the role of Jesus, our high priest. Watch this. Oh, you're going to shout. 
in, in Hebrews chapter 7, it actually gives a description of Jesus, the high priest, and his function right now. If, if Jesus had a resume, just follow me. Just kind of play along with me, okay? If Jesus had a resume to fill, <laughs> if he had a resume to fill, right, and he, about one of his main jobs right now, his functionalities right now, yes, he's compassionate. Yes, he's powerful. And he put on that resume. He'll put on that resume, watches over, you know, my children. He puts over that resume, uh, speak kindly to my people. He'll put resume. I'm all powerful, right? But you know what? One thing that is really actually scripture that he says that his job description is that he's always forever praying for you and I. This is, this is, wait, 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 wait. Listen. As a high priest, now, 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 you, now see, see where I'm going here? He's made us kings and what? Priests. He's made us kings and? So as high priest, if we could actually see the job description of Jesus the high priest, don't you think that will give us a clue of what our job is as priests? You just missed it. You just missed it. If you want to find out what your job description is as a spiritual priest, right? He's made us priests and kings. Then let's look at the job description of the high priest, Jesus. Uh -huh. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 18. Look at this in the NLT. Look at this. Hebrews 7. Say amen when you're there. Hebrews 7, verse 18. Here it goes. Look at this. Yes, the old requirement about the priesthood, follow me was set aside because it was weak and useless, for the law never made anything perfect. Are you reading me? Okay. But now we have confidence in a better hope. Say better hope. Through which we draw near to God. This new system was established with a solemn oath. Aaron's descendants became priests without such an oath, but there was an oath regarding Jesus. For God said to him, the Lord has taken an oath and will not break his vow. You are, Jesus, a priest forever. Because of this oath, Jesus is the one who guarantees the better covenant. Come on, say amen with God. There are, were, watch this. There were many priests under the old system, for death prevented them from remaining in office. Now, here's the key. I want you to zoom in on this scripture. But because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever. Therefore, he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. Here it is. I want you to read it with me. One, two, three. He lives forever forever to do what to intercede with God on their behalf oh come on he lives forever that means he's sitting on the right hand one of his job descriptions is you know what my job description is is I am forever living to intercede for my people while I'm in heaven Oh my gosh, that's deserved five more amens, guys. Do you realize that if the high priest Jesus, his role is to forever intercede, why are we calling prayer boring? Why do we, obviously, Jesus doesn't consider prayer boring. Could you imagine forever praying for you and me, and he's going to the Father, this is so boring. I want to go ahead and zap lightning or something. I just want to... I want to walk on water again. I am so bored. He ever lives to, listen, I, I, I've had some powerful people pray for me, but when Jesus prays for you, I'm talking, listen, I want you to have hope on something. There is our Lord that's constantly praying for you. I can't, this, this is, this is mind boggling to me. I could have, you name me one great anointed person, even Lou Ingle. I love Lou Ingle. Mike Pick, all these prayer jobs. If you give me a choice. Do you have Mike Bickle, Lou Ingo, or Jesus praying for you? I want all of them, obviously. But do you realize the power 
that you're not alone, that Jesus ever lives to intercede. So as a priest, guess what our job is to do? Now in Hebrews chapter 7, hey, 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 okay. In Hebrews chapter 7, <laughs> in Hebrews chapter 7 there's also in the first three verses, watch this, I'm, 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 I'm going real fast because of time, but are you getting something this morning? It also explains the spiritual role of a king and a priest. Watch this. Say this with me. Say, he's made us kings and priests unto our God. So we knew the function of a high priest is to what? To pray. Mostly to pray. Intercede. Right? The Bible says Melchizedek was a king and a priest as well. Now, I don't have time to talk about Melchizedek because there's a lot of uh, mystery and revelation on that. But Melchizedek re represents Jesus almost to the T because he didn't have a lineage uh, in, in a sense. He wasn't kind of uh, born or had, a, uh, or had a, a record of death. But I want you to see that the priest wasn't just operating as a priest. He operated as a king. Priest, once they operate as priests, that's where you get your kingly authority. There's a lot of times people are trying to take authority without their priestly their priestly function in there. Without the oil of intimacy. And they're trying to take authority over demonic powers. They're trying to take authority over their finances. They're trying to take authority where, like a king does. But they don't have the priestly part in their life. Let me give you a little clue. If you don't hear nothing today, hear this. If you want your kingly authority to be strong, let your priestly anointing be strong. If you want public power, have private power. Now watch. Hebrews 7 verse 1 through 3. Look at this. I'm going through this really quick, and I'm honestly almost done. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 1 through 3 in the NLT. Look at this. This Melchizedek, who was king, king of the city of Salem, which, by the way, means peace. He was king of peace. Hmm, wonder who that sounds like. King of Salem, and also a priest, a priest of God most high. Wait a minute. So Melchizedek was a king of Salem. Salem means peace. And he was also a priest of the most high God. He functioned, at, listen, listen, you need to zoom in here because why is that significant to you and I? Because in the Old Testament, you either operated as kings or priests, not both. Mm. Mm. In the Old Testament, there was somebody named Uzziah, not the one who touched the ark, but there was another Uzziah that, that, he, uh, that he became king. It's in 2 Chronicles chapter 26. You can look at it. Uzziah became king. And the Bible says he was 16 years old when he became king. And the Bible says, as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. So he started off real good, seeking the Lord, seeking the Lord. And God started prospering him. And this is a little side note, but it's still in the same vein. You got to be careful when God starts blessing you and forget how you got there. It was because you started seeking God. It was because you started worshiping. And then when God gives you all the stuff that you were praying for, you start losing your prayer life. Because you get so busy trying to work your dream. That you lost where how you got the dream. Oh, come on, somebody. You lost how you got it. And so the Bible says Uzziah was blessed. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. Second Chronicles 26. The Bible says he was king. Everybody say king. He could not do the priestly sacrifices that's not for a king in the Old Testament. Do you realize now why this is so significant that we are kings and priests? In the Old Testament, you were a king or you were a priest. Now watch this. I can prove it. He came into the temple. Read it for yourselves. And he said, I am lifted up. I am King Uzziah. 
And you know what he did? He tried to burn incense in the temple where the Bible says it was only left for the priest. And the, the priest, as Ariah, starts with an A, he, he withstood the king of the nation. And he goes, this is not your responsibility. Only priests do that. And he's like, no, I can do whatever I want. I am the king. But he became a prideful king. Now watch this. The Bible says as soon as he was getting angry and he did not let the priests do their job of burning incense, worship, praying, right? Leprosy broke out on his forehead. Read it. Those who read the Bible, you know. Leprosy broke out in his eyes of the king. And the Bible says he was a leper to, to the day he died. I say that only to tell you what an awesome privilege that you and I get to have both. We have both. We could be a priest and a king and operate in that type of authority under the spirit of humility and nothing could be able to shake us. Because we have the ministry of, of intercession and worship and reconciliation and we have the name of Jesus where we take authority. Come on, somebody. Come on. Now, I want the worship team to get up there because I'm literally almost done. I promise, Christina. This, that, that was my last, yes, that was my last, uh, <laughs> she looked at me like, that was my last verse. I want, I want the, the, the worship team to get up here because I have just two more things. In order to walk in the fullness of our spiritual authority, put that, put that slide up. As Christians, we need to function as both priests and kings spiritually. Listen to this. In order to walk in fullness of our spiritual authority, we need to function both as priests, say priests, say kings. Now, what that means is you cannot stay in the place of prayer without exercising your authority and think that that's fullness of walking in, in your kingdom, your godly authority. There, you know, there's two sides of the camps here, right? And, and if, you're this, if you're this person, I, I, I'm not trying to attack you. I'm just trying to bring balance. There's these people that all they want to do is be in the glory, right? So just want, just, just want to be in the glory, just lay it out in the glory. Woo! Hit me, Lord. Ha, ha, ha. They're laughing in the glory. They're soaking in the glory. But they don't want to get up and take authority over things in their life. They don't want to be a spiritual king. They just want, they just want to be a priest. They just want, hey, just, I, I'm, in the, I'm in the prayer room and I just want to fly away. But don't tell me to get my finances in order. Don't get me, don't tell me to, to yeah, don't tell me that I got a tithe. Don't tell me that, don't tell me that I got to set wrong things right with, my, with people. I, I, God is going to do everything. Let me tell you something. It's like the, 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 the priestly authority is, speaks of our vertical relationship. Our kingly authority speaks of our, uh, our horizontal. What does that look like? The cross to me. The cross. So I want you to see this. Look at this. We have to have both. So there's people that just say in the glory, right? And they never take authority. But then there's other people that they use their personality to try to, ma oh, I'm, I'm gonna, that's, that's free. That's not even in my notes, okay? <laughs> they use their personality to try to exercise authority, and they have no prayer life, and they're illegitimate. They're illegitimate. They're trying to, listen, volume has nothing to do with authority whatsoever. Your volume has nothing to do with your true spiritual authority. That you could, you, could, you could be as loud as a firecracker and then you will not move anything. Now watch this. You have to have both. You have to have a prayer life 
and an intimacy life and a worship life privately to be a spiritual priest. But you also have to be a king where you say, I refuse to be afraid of this anymore. This is enough. It stops right here. Because let me tell you something. There's people that have been in the glory and they're still afraid. But they spend hours in the glory. How is that possible? How is it possible you spend hours, hours with God and you're walking around fearful? You got to take authority. You got to be a king. You got to say, you know what? Based on my priestly authority, I take my kingly authority. Now, do you guys ever, I'm, I'm closing with this. You guys know who Derek Prince is? It was a, it was a man that, that uh, wrote an incredible, incredible books. I want you to see this quote by Derek Prince. Oh, man, I feel the Lord. How many feel the Lord here? Come on, I, I feel the, breakthrough is about to happen. But if you're just waiting for Pastor George to preach a good sermon and you have your, your arms crossed saying he better preach a good one today. You're never going to walk in this authority. You have to take it. Now, watch this. God forbid. I'm going to say what, what is, has become a curse word in the church today. It takes sacrifice. Sacrifice? Yes. That means getting up a little bit early and spending time with God. That means sometimes even when you're tired at work, come to a corporate prayer gathering so we can move heaven together. Look at this. We must, Derek Prince says, never seek to separate these two functions, priests and kings, from each other. I love this. If we would rule as kings, we must serve as priests. Those who practice of our priestly ministry is the key to exercise our kingly authority. I'm going to say that again. Look, look, look at this. This practice of our priestly ministry is the key to exercise our kingly authority. It is through prayer and intercession that we administer the authority that is ours in the name of Jesus. I believe God, church, is calling us to examine our roles as Christians and saying, do you just want to be a Christian on Sunday morning or only? Are you a Sunday morning Christian? Come on, come on, come on. You don't have to answer. Are you a Sunday morning? You can't wait to Sunday. But Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you're living a life that's double. You're living a life that's inconsistent. How about from this day forward, if God has made us priests and kings to our God, that means we just looked at Scripture. The main responsibilities of a priest is to get to the secret place and pray. Here is the word of the Lord for you. Get to the secret place, no matter how hard it is in your life. Get to the secret place. I'm serious. Find the secret place again. Get away from all the distractions. Get away from the TV. Get away from the refrigerator. Get away from all your friends. And get to a place where you can seek God by yourself. The Bible says he went to a solitary place and there he prayed. He woke up long before sunlight. In Mark chapter 1, he did not wait. He could have slept in a little longer. But he said, I must go to the secret place. And my friends, when you go to the secret place, I guarantee you, you'll start exercising authority over for every bondage or every weakness or every sickness in your body and you will walk victorious. How many believe that? Come on, say amen. Stand up on your feet. Come on, stand up on your feet. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.